Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. This is a place to get equipped to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So get ready to be empowered by this message. It's my privilege to introduce to you our evangelist here at our church, Brother Tim Coleman. Come on up, man. He's bringing us the word this morning. I'm so grateful that God called him here to No Limits. How long have you actually been going to No Limits now? Two years. It's been that long. Amazing. I've watched this guy transform from incredibly. Anybody ever gone through a great transformation in, in Christ? Like you just came out a whole other person. That's what happened to this guy. I don't, I don't think he's the same guy that I met two years ago. Brenda, would you agree with that? It's amazing. It's amazing what the Lord can do. And it's because you've spent really the last year just deep diving into your relationship with the Lord. And because of your dedication to be with him, it's transformed you into a new creation. Can you imagine that? Like you've just become, and he's been a Christian like all of your life practically, right? For 38 years. And how, how let's see. So the transformation of those 38 years compared to the last two years, how, how would you rate that? Like he was non-existent for 36, kind of just going through the motions, doing, doing the church thing, and then like you actually dove in and gave your, your whole heart to Christ and started following. That's amazing. Y'all should be praying for this guy because the Lord has called him to be our evangelist here. He's part of the five-fold ministry here at our church. So when you think about Tim, pray for him because he's got a big task ahead of him. Do you know that all of hell is against him actually succeeding in what he's called to do here? But your prayers will keep him going strong. We need him to be bold, and we need him to be courageous, and we need him to keep transforming. You need to do the same thing for me. You need, you need me to, be, to keep transforming into who God's called me. I ain't done yet. I'm, I'm on the journey just like you are of becoming who I'm supposed to be. So let's pray for Tim right now. Lord, we thank you for Tim. We're so grateful that you called him here to be our evangelist. We recognize the anointing and the calling that you put on his life. And we're so excited to see what you do through him. We rebuke every attack of the enemy in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you that he hears your voice clearly. And a stranger he does not follow. And he will see everything that you lead him to do. And even when it's different, he's going to do it because he knows that it's you. Lord, we thank you for what Tim's going to do through this house. And we unite with him. And we're just grateful to have him as one of our leaders, as one of our elders here at No Limits Church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much. I am learning something with microphones, so I've learned to, I thought I was tempering my, my tone because I'm really a loud talker, but I'm learning to project. So I might be yelling a little bit today. So for you older folks like me, you remember the, um, oh, daggum, I forgot the name of it, Twilight Zone. Imagine, if you will, an atheist stuck at a green light behind a car with a honk if you love Jesus bumper sticker. <laughs> You're going to have to put that one together. You can, you can laugh later if you want to. I'm going to do some unpacking. Since last weekend, I've been really meditating on being grateful and this message started coming up to me in a whole different way. I started looking at things differently. So you know how we can hear something and hear something and hear something and hear something, and then it just kind of loses its value. Kind of like where it talks about the salt. 
losing its flavor. I won't even go to that scripture because it talks about how worthless you are without your salt having its flavor. And it refers to bad things like bull stuff. But I'll read that to you later. So what I want you to kind of focus on today is definitely gratitude. But I want you to have a mental perspective of how do I see this? How do I really see this right now? And does it really work? Because we say all the time, I have faith. What does that look like for you? I'm not, I'm not judging it. I'm asking you to look at that. What does that really look like for you? I say, I trust in God. What does that look like for you? I say, I trust. But does that mean until I go figure it out? I trust. Does that mean until I get to the bank and get my answer? I trust. What does it mean? And this is not a criticism. This is a self, deep self-evaluation of what does my faith truly mean? What does the core of my trust really mean? Because if we're not operating in it correctly, we're not gaining correctly. Okay? So let's go to John 3.16, please. I'm not a big sports fan, so I don't keep up with what is what. But Tim Tebow, whatever big game he had that he put the John 3.16 out there, mind-boggling. 90 million people looked up John 3.16 because he had that on his face. Which that goes into our witnessing. The Holy Spirit must. Jamie talked about this the other day. The Holy Spirit must lead us in what we're doing in witnessing because every single situation will be different. So... We have to tap into the Spirit of God in all things. All things. So he did that simple thing to reach 90 million people to encounter God. God wrote his word upon our hearts and upon our minds. So guys, if we will stir that up, that gift that's in them already is going to start coming up. It's going to start coming up. But we have to speak truth. We have to get rid of the Christianese that I can't, I can't offend them. I can't offend them. I know for certain if they go to hell, they're not going to sit there and say, why did that person offend me that way? No, that's not what they're going to say at all. They're not going to be thinking about why didn't you offend me? They're going to say, why did you not chase me? Why did you not pursue me? And before we get to John three sixteen. I want to give you a visual that in the Old Testament when atonement was going on and forgiveness of sins they would tie bells around the feet of the priest that's going in and they'd also tie a rope around his foot because when they stopped hearing the bells moving the body hit the floor sin was in that house and it can't be Sin separates us from God. Still the same. Still the same, guys. Our grace message has muddied the waters for us. And we're living on top of something. We're kind of floating on top of dirty water at times. There is a pastor I watched a video of. Broke my heart. But I was glad he came back. He was in his mid-70s. And he died for whatever reason and came back. And he said the immediate, the moment that he left his body, he was before the Lord, and the Lord rejected him immediately. 
He said, Lord, no, no, no. Same thing, same thing as the scriptures. No, no, Lord. I did all these things. I did all these things. He said, I've been a pastor for however many years. He said, no, Lord, not me. He said, you gave me the title, Lord, but you didn't make me, Lord. So that's what I'm saying right now. Let's dig in. What's this mean to us? What's it mean for us to say, Lord? What's it mean for us to say, trust? What's it mean for us to say, faith? What does it mean? Because this pastor, he went his whole life believing that he was correct, but knowing he wasn't. We have to know in our hearts. You know how you feel like an empty shell sometimes, just kind of walking through the motions? We all do it. We've all been there. It's because we need a refreshing. We need a grateful heart. So John 3.16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish. But have eternal life. We've said it a million times. And it's the most powerful thing that's ever happened to creation. But we can't forget about it. We can't forget what actually happened. You know, I wanted to put up the most gruesome picture that the Passion of the Christ could do on the crucifixion of Jesus up on the cross. I wanted to have that up here right now. It's a little too much for some of the youngins. But we need to feed on some images in our minds. I'm a very imaginative person, so I want to imagine things so I can see them in my mind's eyes, so I can have a better understanding. So when Jesus is on the cross and he's saying, Father, why have you forsaken me? The look in his eyes when all that was upon him. And we say, I struggle with sin. We got to be real. We don't struggle with anything. We choose to not deal with it. I'm talking about holiness. I'm not standing here saying, I'm trying to work through it too. No. If something comes, get rid of it. Be done with it. Acknowledge the Lord Jesus and what he's done for you. He conquered sin, death, and the grave. And we say, I struggle with sin. Did he not, did he not overcome it? Did he not fix it? Then it's us that will have to deal with it. Listen, we got to get honest. We have to be honest with the people out there in the world that are saying they're this, they're that, and the other. We've got to go, I'm sorry, darling, you're not. Pull them up and say, you're not. I'm going to be the one telling you the truth. I'm going to tell you who you are in Christ now. And what this message is going to hopefully do is push you to staying in Christ, being grateful. So Luke chapter 15 and verse 3. If you got your Bibles, or you can read right behind me. Luke 15, verse 3. It's a parable of the lost sheep. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for that one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, Will he joyfully carry it home on his shoulders? When he arrives, he will call together his friends, neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 
99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. You're going to see this referenced a few times. The 99 or the others who didn't get anything. Nobody's going, yay, you did so good. You're at church every Sunday. Thank you. You're not going to hear it all the time. And that's what it's referencing. And then let's go to verse 11. This will be a long reader. To illustrate the, po illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man set him into his fields and to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. I don't know about you, but going through my 38 years, I never, ever walked away from God. Ever. But I wandered in the wilderness I tiptoed in places I shouldn't be. I kind of straggled off a little bit, but I didn't leave him. I never left him. So verse 20, so he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Do you ever feel that way when you, you walk in sin? Do you ever feel this way, this so convicted, this so hurt that I, don't, I can't come back? I, all that you've done for me? No. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robes in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and now returned to life. He was lost, but now he was found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of his servants, what was going on? Your brother's back. Your father has killed the fatted calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years, 99, I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead 
and has come back to life. He was lost, but is now found. All that's in our father's house is ours. All that was in his father's house was already his. And then he left the father's house and squandered it and thought he could live that same life outside of his father's house. Outside of his relationship. He could not. So here's something I just want to kind of turn. The prodigal. What did he do? I, I don't know. I hope that his heart was so full, so grateful that he was restored to his father's house. He wasn't restored as a slave or a servant. He was restored to his father's house. Have you ever had anyone help you just dig you out of a hole? You were miserably lost financially or whatever it is, and they just pulled you up. They got you. Do you forget those people? Do, do they have high honor in your life still? Well, I've had someone, whoo, they helped me when I was down. I was homeless a while back, about 14 years ago. Most people didn't know it because I didn't shout from the rooftops. I always dressed right, and I did right, and I slept in a storage room for months until I got things figured out. Because I was walking with God, but I wasn't understanding God. I was saying, why didn't you bless me when I didn't say, what should I be doing? I was going through my correction because I wasn't asking the right questions. I had to go through the misery of all my decisions without him. That's where I was. And thank, thank you, Lord, that he worked with me and got me through it all. But the prodigal, what was his heart like? Our hearts what are they like in our gratitude towards him in all that he's done? John 3.16, we know the verse. We can say it. It can't be surface. It's got to stay in our heart. It's still got to stay deep. Let's go to Matthew 27. Verse 15 is where I'm going to start. This is uh, the time that he's talking to Pilate. He's just before Pilate. Now, it was the governor's custom each year during Passover celebration to release one prisoner from the crowd or to the crowd. Anyone they wanted. This year, there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, which one do you want me to release to you? Barabbas? Or Jesus, who is called the Messiah. He knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. Just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message. Leave that innocent man alone. I've suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. Meanwhile, the leading priest and all the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. So the governor asked again, which of these two do you want me to release to you? The crowd shouted back, Barabbas. Pilate responded, then what should I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? They shouted back, crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded, what crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere and that the riot was developing. So he sent for a bowl of water 
and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. And all the people yelled back, this is scary. We will take responsibility for his death, we and our children. That's a powerful statement. And I'll take a little turn. I hear generational curse so much. And mostly, it's a lie to us. Generational curses were for those who hated God. Not the ones that loved him, hated him. If you don't hate God, you're not cursed. You're not. So be done with that. Be done with it. So let's look at Barabbas. Barabbas was guilty of all sin. Barabbas, we know, was us, right? His place on that cross was taken by Jesus. I want to explore the thought, what was Barabbas like after this? This big old boy, he knew he was dead. He knew he was facing a horrible death. And I imagine that he got to sit and watch the two thieves getting beaten, watch Jesus getting beaten. And he is, I'm thinking, grateful. That was me. I'm imagining, did he take that gift and did he go make a life? Because he was free. Understand, he's not going back to jail. He is free. So did the murderer, Barabbas, did he take that gift and say, I'm going to go live a good life? I'm going to take a wife and a family and I'm going to honor the gift that this man gave me. Do you realize that the first life ever freed was Barabbas at crucifixion? His happened before ours did. Just before. I want to imagine how he acted, how he thought. What did he do being grateful? Did he go back to it or did he run far from the bad things? Was he grateful? Luke 23. And verse 39. If I get to it. One of the criminals hanging beside... Jesus on the cross. They're all on the cross now. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God? Even when you've been sentenced to die. We deserve to die for our crimes. But this man has done nothing wrong. Hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied to a thief on a cross, crucified next to him, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now that's powerful. Now, for those who don't know, paradise was a holding place before Jesus came and redeemed man and took back the keys of heaven 
and hell, okay? That's where they held until they could go to the heavens. So imagine this. Guy dies. I'm pretty sure he probably died after Jesus. He watched Jesus give his last breath. He watched the whole thing unfold. And then he probably got the broken legs along with his other thief to make sure that they died miserably. He finds himself in paradise. He finds himself standing there with Jesus, Abraham, Isaac, Elijah. He finds himself standing there with them. You imagine how grateful this guy was? Now, embellishing on the story a little more, just imagination. Later, we know when Jesus was resurrected, he was seen walking the streets with some of the men of old. Some of them that had died. I just want to imagine that this thief on the cross was one of them going, Abraham, this right here, this is where I was killed three days ago. I was right there. Think about that for a moment. We have to put the word in perspective that we see it and understand it so it doesn't gloss over and become callous to us, become of no effect because we've read it so much or we've seen it so much. It has to be to where we're grateful. You might get lucky. This might be short. Romans 12. A living sacrifice. Really, really here. This is a very good chapter. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and the authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body we are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. We are so important that we function together. As Kate was talking about, this house functions together better. In verse 6, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. 
If God has given you a leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Right here is where we have to dive a little more again. We have a whole lot of confused people in the world today. And we have got to meet them only by the Holy Spirit. There's some messed up, confusing stuff going on. But we cannot withhold the truth either. So you really have to dig in and get your Holy Spirit on your steps. The people do need truth. They do want truth. When, when I said earlier that he wrote his law upon our hearts and our minds at conception, we know these things. And our young people and older people, anyone out there struggling, they know. They know there's more. That's why they're unsettled at all times. They're unsettled. They are not happy people. So we have to continue. Again, make sure the Holy Spirit is your guide on that. Don't hold back because you think, I don't want to offend them. Do not do that. That's, everyone needs a sharp poke in the eye sometimes. How many times have you, well, not literally, guys, don't do that. How many times has someone said something to you that, oh, man, that poked you, got you? And you're annoyed at them until you figured out it's you. Right? So let the Spirit of God direct you to annoy someone's spirit. Okay? I'm not saying annoy them. I'm saying annoy their spirit. Let them get disruptive. It's okay. It's a way back. But don't take it lightly that what we need to do. Going back to verse 9. Don't just pretend to love each other, love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. We've got to hate what is wrong, just like God hates what is wrong. If we're not hating what is wrong, we're not fearing the Lord. We're allowing it to be simple in our lives. And if we allow it to be simple in our lives because it's in someone else's life, then we start conforming to those lies, and we can't do that. We have to walk in His truth. That's why I keep going back to the crucifixion. It is so brutal to understand what happened and then for us to take a soft attitude about how we conduct our lives. And remember, 36 out of 38, I've been doing better. 36 years, I was the casual Christian, always going to church, always volunteering, always doing the things and always doing whatever I wanted to do. Being honest, I was doing whatever I wanted to do. Thinking I was staying within the graces of God. <laughs> that narrow path is not the one that zigzags over to the right side and the left side and all the fun that you can have. That is not the path. It is that narrow road. We can't be like the world we have to change our thinking. So verse 11. I'm sorry, verse 10. Love each other with genuine affection. 
and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. If it's in the power of your hands to do good, then do it. Let's be quick to see a need and fill it. Let's just be quick. What's money? Something that can be regained. Ain't no big deal. Give it away. Take care of business. Take care of others. Do something. If God's your provider, is he your provider when you don't have any cash on you? He is. He's still your provider regardless. So let's act that way. Verse 13, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Did you know that living in peace with everyone sometimes is being apart? I have a whole lot of family that I love them, and we are at peace because they're not near me. And that's okay right now because they're in different places right now. And they know me and my personality, and they want to bring push buttons to me. They want to go, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And they want to stir it up. So that's where I keep them where they are right now. I'm not saying shut them out and shut them down. I'm just saying live at peace. So verse 19, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. So backing up, you think about the prodigal. What did he do with what he got? You think about Barabbas. What did he do with what he got? The thief on the cross. What did he do with what he got? He was in heaven, so he's not going anywhere. But you know. I mean, he got the best ticket. I mean, he's an instant joy, and he's not battling sin. But what a testimony. Talking about going out and getting people. You've got the lost sheep, the one. That's just this wandering soul that just doesn't know what's going on in life. They're just over there. And then we've got the prodigal that was in the house. He was in the father's house that thought he could just go and do what he wanted to, and it's all going to be okay. And then we've got the man who just lived his life, and at the very last moment, he got a chance. There's so many people that think that, and mainly people out in the world think, I'll have a chance. I'll have that moment. I'll have time. I can make things right whenever I need to. 
And said this before, my brother was driving down the highway and then he wasn't. That's just how quick it is. That's how serious this is. It's not a game. It's life and death. There is only one truth. We've got to get our heads around. There is one truth. And the joining together of these churches as we're working on, and it's going to be wonderful. The message is the same. It's Jesus. The message is the same. It's Jesus. We've got to remove the options out there. Option, 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 option. Don't like that one. Don't like that one. It's the wrong message. The message is Jesus. It is relationship with the Father. It is not pick which one. It's not. We've got to find a way. And the Spirit of God is going to be the one that teaches us how to get to each of these people. We have a massive Muslim influx into the United States. There's a lot to unpack there. A a sworn religion to kill us. God loves those kids. He loves those people. We have got to have a message. We've got to be ready. We've got to be ready in season and out. At any moment, at any time, wherever you are, you need to be ready to present that gospel, whatever that message is. Am I saying that you need to be ready to stand up here and preach? No. I told Brenda before I got up here, I said, do this for me. She goes, no. I was kidding. But we've got to be ready. And this last year, as Kate mentioned, I have dedicated this time, and I've been so blessed to dedicate this time to get understanding, to learn, to separate the wheat from the chaff, separate the garbage that I've thought was truth that wasn't truth and I see our lives all the different lives all the different crazy going on we, we're trying to accomplish so much and we're trying to accomplish it for him and in him man I'm encouraging slow down a little bit seek God on what you're doing where you're going and again, all these things will be added. We, I'm serious with this. We have got to take some time to slow down and see what is it we're doing. Why are we running in so many circles without purpose? And, you know, for me, okay, now I, I know I'm an evangelist, okay? So now I have a focus. First time in 57 years I've had focus. Here I am. I know things are different for everyone. I know that. But the Holy Spirit's still directing everyone. He's still trying to get us in position. He's still trying to get us into the place that if we are Matthew 6.33, if we are seeking him first, all these things are added to us. All the stuff that we have need of, all the junk that we don't even need. He says, all right, whatever, I, I got it. But I'm asking you to focus right here. I'm asking you to John 3.16 right now that he gave his only begotten son for us. We can't let the gift go throughout the week. We got to hold on to the gift, to the purpose. We have to. And I am going to run you to one more scripture. Mark 
12. I believe there's such a connection. I had a friend of mine here a while back when I was talking about that hate fathers, mothers, cousins, everything. If you, if you don't have God first, if you don't have him at your primary, then all your life is chaos. Everything is just not right. And my good friend said, I wanted to punch you in the mouth when I heard you say that. Because it was everything that he was struggling with. He had one thing out of step, and it kept everything out of step. Kind of like the spokes on a wheel. You know, if you remove about four of them, that old thing's going. That's how we are. We're all messed up if we're not walking in line with him. So let's put things in perspective so we can smooth out our waters. Let's peace be still to our lives. Mark 12, verse 28, the most important commandment. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, he says, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must... Was there any conditions there? No. no nobody saw any conditions? Okay. Me either. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So this is one of those that we have to unpack and ask ourselves, what does this look like to me? How, how, how is this applied in my life? How am I conducting myself in this? Am I loving the Lord my God with all my heart? Am I loving him with all my soul, all my mind? Am I loving him with all my strength? Am I loving my neighbor as myself? It's his command. His command takes us out of chaos. He's putting us in love. He's trying to get us to stay grafted in love. Love conquers a multitude of sins. Love brings peace. Love does it all. It fixes it all. It stops the bicker between husband and wife. Stops the stress between the kids and mom and dad. It really does. The love of Christ comes across and brings peace to the situation. So in everything, as you're assessing your, your mental state and everything else in your life, ask yourself, where is God right now? Where is he? Is this situation hovering over me? Is it dominating my life? If I'll put him up there, he just takes care of it all. If it's pain, if it's sorrow, whatever it is, if we'll elevate him, it just gets rid of it. It just runs it down the drain. In Philippians 2, 
it says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Really believe we, as the body of Christ, need to have a healthy dose of working things out for ourselves. We keep saying it, and you're going to see it. Revival is upon the land. It may not, you may not see it right in front of you at this very second, but revival is here. We're not going to see it unless we have our eyes set on him. We're not going to see the moment of testimony if we don't have our eyes set on him. We're going to miss that gas station moment or the grocery store moment or the office moment or whatever moment it is. We're going to miss it if we're not engaged in his love, in his purpose. And he is drawing his people to himself right now. Just like he's drawing you near and near every day, just like he's doing to me. He's waking us up in our sleep to speak. He's talking to us. The more time we want to talk to him, he's going to talk to us. I know a lot of times we say, Lord, it's 3 a.m. I was sleeping good. It's all right. He'll give us some more sleep back. Guys, this was my message that our hearts have got to be fixed on him. We have got to be a prepared people to do what we're supposed to do to his people. He said that he's going to send the former and the latter rain upon us. That's not here yet. But I don't, I don't doubt anything that God can do. But I say if our hearts aren't prepared to receive it, we're going to miss it and not even know it's here. And the message that his kids need out there, we're going to be engaged with him. We're going to know what we're supposed to be doing, when we're supposed to be doing it. If he says turn left at the traffic light, we don't know why, turn left. Just turn left. Obey those small things. Obey those small things. My whole job this year has been hear him. Hear him. And it's been very challenging for me those of you who don't know me well I am a non-stopper non-mover I don't even like to sit down this is not my nature to stop to stop moving to stop being productive to stop doing all the things I think I need to be doing this has been amazing and I encourage you to take the time to slow down to hear him because wherever you are right now, you're specifically there to do something. And there's so many of you that are supposed to be getting somewhere else. So, and you know it's annoying you. It's digging at you. It's like, ah, something's not right. It's tap in, prayer time, spirit of God, get your direction. Because he wants you in a special place. He wants you where you need to be. And it's a wonderful thing. I'm not going to take for granted anything anymore. And I'm a bold person, not a bashful person. So if you have not ever been born again or you just walked off, I'm going to give this opportunity to come on back. We all boldly stand the same ground. We stand here before Jesus, before our Father forgiven us. We've given examples of Wonderful mercies. I thought y'all looked like yours pretty good today. <laughs> All right. 
I'm going to close us with prayer and invite Cade back. I thank you, Father, for your word. I thank you to help us to develop in you, Lord, to hear you, to know your message, to know your direction. That, Lord, you will spell things out to us so clearly that we know the directions that you want us to be in. Lord, that you'll slow us down where we need to slow down, speed up where we need to speed up, obey quickly when we hear your voice. Lord, direct us in these times. Excite our spirit of what's coming. I thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit working well in us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, that was good, wasn't it? Help us get God's word out to everyone who needs it by partnering with us financially. Your generous giving is what enables us to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Visit nolimits.fyi to give securely online. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a message. And thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.